AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Brought to you by, once again, uh, our coverage from the DTN Ag Summit. Good to be back in Chicago today for another good day of sessions. A lot of information being shared here at the Ag Summit. I'm going to tell you more about it, talk with some of the folks involved in the Ag Summit on our program today. We're going to cover some various topics back into carbon markets, something we talked about yesterday. We'll talk more about that today. Working with your ag lender, certainly that's always an important topic. And looking at ways to increase yields. Some of the topics we'll be discussing on our program today. Thanks for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We're happy to kick things off with Greg Horsmeyer. He is the editor-in-chief of DTN. And Greg, just great to have people back together in person, isn't it? It is, Mike. We're we're so excited to be back physically in Chicago. We had a virtual event last year, and that went well. But but it's just wonderful to see faces, and people are in a good mood. It's 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 just nice to be together and appreciate being with you. Well, enjoying it, and thanks for having us here. And, you know, as we, you and I were just discussing, maybe the, the hottest topic in agriculture right now, and it is certainly a hot topic here at your meeting, supply chain issues, questions about certainly price of inputs, but just availability may be the biggest question. Yeah, we've we've been covering that whole issue of what the supply chain problems have been meaning in ag. And whenever we talk to farmers, it's the, it's the number one thing that's coming up. The number of prices, as you say, is a big one. You know, fertilizers have just, you know, skyrocketed over the last six to nine months. And uh, that's a big one on everybody's minds. Uh, but, but, price, but parts for tractors and tires, and, you know, now we're seeing crude oil go up, so diesel prices are up. Um, it's, a, it's a big weight on, on, on farmers' minds right now. And really looking to next spring, a lot of uncertainty about how all that's going to play out as farmers are ready to go to the field. Right, yeah. In some cases, the price isn't the issue, as you were talking about earlier, is can I get it? You know, can I get those parts for my tractor or my planter? Um, can I get those tires in time to get things, you know, ready for next year? So a lot of, a lot of conversations going on about guys getting ready for, for, uh, for the next year. We just heard from Chad Greenway, uh, was talking about how the defense has to shift and as the offense shifts. And I was thinking about these farmers. They're going to have to call a lot of audibles through this winter to think about what they're going to plant, where they're going to do it, those kind of things. I mean, there are so many questions about, you know, acres and what's going to be planted in those acres next year. But the questions, I think, inflationary questions, uh, rising prices, uh, it's one thing to have higher grain prices, obviously, but the cost of everything is so much higher. That's certainly on these farmers' minds. Absolutely. We, we've have been doing some surveys in which some of the, the information that's coming back from those is just that. Inflation is something that we have not really talked about in agriculture for a long time. Yeah. And, and that is very heavy on farmers' minds. They're, everybody's kind of worried about that global economy. But you and I were talking about this. Despite all that uncertainty and Farmers don't like uncertainty. Uh, none of us do, I guess, for That's that right. matter. That's right. But the mood here seems to be pretty upbeat. Absolutely, yeah. I, I you know, I, prices are good. Um, you know, the folks that come to this event are are some of the top farmers in the nation, and 
And, you know, I, it's, they've, it's not their first rodeo. You know, they've been through this before. They don't like the high prices. They don't like some of the things that they do. But when you, when you see their operations, you know the relationships that they have with their suppliers. You know that they're doing everything they can to get things ready and, and, and set. Um, it, it's, there's still a lot of optimism about what the next, you know, season's going to look like. You know, you, you brought up an interesting point. Not their first rodeo. They've been through this. But some of the younger farmers... This is a little different experience for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the inflation word, that word, that, you know, when you hear that coming out of some folks who didn't live through the 80s like you and I did, um, and, and, and high interest rates and things like that, you know that they've learned about it because, because it's a concern for them. Yeah, I heard a comment the other day about inflation. Oh, not that bad. And I said, that must come from someone who hasn't gone through those high inflationary times, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we hope, I and mean, we heard from uh, Galia Barr yesterday from John Deere, the economist, uh, talking about, you know, how the pandemic and the supply chain issue is really driving that. And the hope is, is that when those things begin to fix the inflationary, you know, once, once the demand is met, because we can do that globally again, when we, everybody gets back together, that some of those issues will resolve themselves and it won't run away like it has in the past. But she said, this is new territory, you know, for them, for an economist. You know, another big topic, we discussed it yesterday here on the show, we'll talk more about it today, and that is uh, carbon markets, because there's uncertainty about that too. We hear about all the potential of it, but farmers are staying, they're still asking questions, well, how do I realize that potential and how real is that potential of this uh, income stream we keep hearing about? Right. Yeah, we, we heard we had four competitors on the on the dais yesterday. And that's one of the things we like to do here is we like to bring competitors together and have to be honest with the audience. Um, and some great questions on that. Yeah. You know, everybody's kind of wondering, how do I get into this? How much should I try to get into a carbon market? Um, is it a revenue stream that I can really depend on or is it a, a sideline thing that will just add some extra dollars? And I think right now, all of that's true. Um, the, the market, all the panelists we had yesterday, their big, one of their key things is this is sort of the beginning. We don't really know where this is going to end up, but, but the advice was get, find out about it. Don't, be a bystander because I think it's going to be better to be playing in those markets if you can get into some of that than waiting for later down the road. You have to do your due diligence. Absolutely. You have to ask the questions and uh, gather information. That's why meetings like this are important. Yeah, that, that's what we try to do here. This is this is all about giving them some food for thought um, and also letting them ask tough questions of some of the people in the industry that, that know the answers to those questions. You know what? The things that are changing and these kind of issues when you're in an information business like you are, that that uh, also you have to kind of change and adapt too to be flexible to provide that information. And one of the things going on now with the technology, you have so many platforms to be able to get that information out. Yeah, in fact, and we're in the middle of, of a major renovation uh, uh, of our platforms looking at, and we're doing a lot of work. We brought a lot of people on board to figure out what do farmers want to hear? When do they want to hear it? How do they want to hear it? You know, is it over their phone? Is it in a text? Is it in a meeting like this? What kind of information gets to them at a point when they can use it? 
in a in a method that they can use it so we're spending a lot of time on that it's it's exciting for somebody at my point in my career who thought well i'll just keep doing things the way i'm doing you know we're changing all the time yeah i would say at dtn you're changing constantly depending on what you're hearing in the marketplace and what farmers are wanting and how they're wanting it absolutely yeah we we have to we have to meet them where they want it it's is a big part of what and that's a big part of again this meeting um you know bringing people to a fun town um, yeah, it's a little cold outside, but, but that's fine. Um, but uh, the camaraderie that they build here, the networking that they build here, and the networking that we get out of it. I mean, this is our chance to really touch our customers and our readers, and uh, you know what that's like. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to hear what's on their mind firsthand. Technology is wonderful, but you still can't replace that face-to-face interaction absolutely right? absolutely yeah we've all learned to live in a zoom environment you know but uh but you need you need to be with people you need to ask questions and and uh and have experiences together great to see you again thanks for letting us be part of your your meeting mike thanks so much for being here we really enjoy this partnership and uh, and best of luck to you thanks a lot appreciate yeah. it that's greg horsemeyer he is the editor-in-chief for dtn all right stay with us we have much more to come how to improve those yields for next year. That's always a big question. We'll talk about that next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA from the DTN Ag Summit. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon Spread Sense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon Spread Sense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. 
It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. We're joined now by Andrew Penny. He is a DeKalb Asgro technical agronomist based out of Iowa. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Um, hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You know, every year is a learning year. So um, what kind of year did farmers in the, that Ames, Iowa area have this year? Uh, so, so in Iowa, you know, in, in most of the state, we had uh, a pretty dry year. And, uh, you know, going into it, there, were, there was numerous uh, situations throughout the growing season where, you know, we really needed rain. And it was, it was questionable how the crops would, would turn out if we didn't get timely rains. And so, you know, the, the end result was much better than expected. You know, we had a lot of, a lot of growers experience the highest yields they've ever had despite the drier conditions. So it, so it turned out to be a really good year despite the, the drought. What about the ground that got hit by the derecho? How did that bounce back? Yeah, so uh, we, we had a lot of guys, you know, due to that derecho and, and the down corn uh, rotate to beans. And so, you know, that, that was uh, pretty hard on, on growers and, and yields last year. Um, but, you know, we, we did have, have a lot of fields that maybe needed to be rotated due to some, some rootworm problems uh, get rotated, you know, go to beans. But, you know, for the most part, you know, it was just a lot of, a lot of bean acres this year compared to what maybe what we were expecting. And, uh, you know, so on the turnaround, we'll have, have some more corn acres this year. What were your biggest insect challenges this past year? Uh, this year was definitely uh, similar to last year in, in that we had uh, a lot of rootworm feeding. And, you know, uh, on the drier years, we tend to see more visual symptoms with corn uh, of rootworm feeding. Um, that, that, you know, it, it's kind of a, le a lesson learned for growers. You know, even on, on the wetter years, we have rootworm feeding. Uh, we just don't see the symptoms. So uh, on a dry year like this where we get more feeding, uh, we, we get more lodged plants, it, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, the, the lack of rain kind of kind of brings us, uh, makes us aware of problems we didn't know we had. So rootworm, rootworm was definitely the biggest problem. You know, we had some soybean gall midge issues in, in the, the western part of the state, in, in northwest Iowa. And so those, those were probably the two uh, biggest insects that we dealt with this year. Disease issues, what did you have? Uh, disease this year was, was minimal for the most part. You know, being a little bit drier, you know, fungal pathogens uh, like moisture, humidity, and dew. Um, I mean, soybeans, uh, we had a little bit more disease in soybeans, but I, I think the biggest issue we had this year was, was tar spot. You know, tar spot moved in. You, got, you guys were gracious enough uh, here in Illinois to uh, move tar spot over into Iowa. And so when I was at, at, at Iowa State a few years ago, you know, we tracked it from the eastern counties over to the, to the western counties. And so, you know, now we, we have it confirmed in, in every county in, in Iowa. And we so, didn't send all of it. Some of it, unfortunately, <laughs> stayed in Illinois. Well, from what I hear, you guys have kept a lot, too. So... Uh, yeah, that's definitely the, 
you know, something that, that we're discussing. Um, it's, you know, I think we continue to learn about management practices, timing of fungicides. So th there's a lot to the pathogen that we need to understand still. But uh, luckily, we have a lot of options and management tactics that we can currently use. And that's why I say every year is a learning year, because you take what happened this year and start trying to apply that to start working on next year, right? Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, we only get 30 to 40 chances that, you know, in our lifetime to, to make it right. And every year you, you got to learn something and uh, managing tar spots, definitely uh, something that we can uh, take away from this year. We're talking with Andrew Penny, the DeKalb Asgro agronomist from Iowa, as we are broadcasting from the DTN Ag Summit here in Chicago. So yields were good. You're very good. But farmers are always looking to up those a little more. Yep. Uh, so they'll be looking at that. They'll be looking at the questions about, do we stick with our rotation? Do we switch some makers? And a lot of that might come down to uh, input availability. Yeah, that, that's that's been an issue. You know, I, I think we're all uh, aware of the current price of, of fertilizer, uh, especially anhydrous. And so, we, you know, we have a lot of guys making decisions based on the, the price they have anhydrous locked in at, um, the availability of anhydrous. And, and so there's just a lot going into, uh, you know, managing uh, farm inputs this year that, that maybe we're, we're not typically used to dealing with. And so, you know, at least the corn price is good. So, so that's a positive. But, you know, with that, we, we always have people that, that want to push yields, even though they had a really good year this year, um, you know, always trying to make, it, make advancements when it comes to yield. So it could be some tough decisions. You want to get those inputs on there. Uh, price is one thing. Availability might be the other. But let's say... Let's say all that does work out, and hopefully it will. What are you talking with farmers about in trying to uh, up those yields for next year? Yeah, I think the biggest conversation that I'm having with growers this year is with, with the high price of nitrogen. You know, I, I always talk nitrogen use efficiency. And we, we know the corn plant doesn't really start taking up nitrogen until about that V8 period, V10 period, where, where there's such a rapid uptake in nitrogen. And so, you know, we, we put a lot of nitrogen on the spring and the fall when the, when the plants really don't need it. And so I, I really talked to guys about, you know, lessening the load up front um, and, and coming in and side dressing late at that V8 to V10 stage. You know, just dribbling some 32% on, uh, maybe, you know, depending on the areas, you know, a, a lot of people will put some urea on and then just hope for a rain. But the, there's just things that we can do to reduce the load up front, put more nitrogen on later when the plant actually needs it, increase that nitrogen use efficiency. And then, and, you know, one of the benefits is with that high price of nitrogen, um, you know, just, just being more efficient, efficient with it, Ma making sure the plant's going to be able to, to take it up when it actually needs it. What about soybeans? Uh, soybeans, you know, I, I think one of the lessons learned uh, this year, we had a lot of, we had, we had a really warm early April. And so Easter Sunday, I can remember getting a lot of calls. We had three or four days where the conditions were just really good. Temperatures were good. Guys were wanting to get out and plant corn. And I, w I was making the recommendation to plant soybeans. And so... Uh, we, had, we had a majority of guys do that. You know, uh, we, we did have some corn go out there, which is good. You know, you got to get the planter out there, make sure everything's running right, get the bugs out. But I, th I think we learned that, you know, we can plant soybeans earlier than what we're traditionally used to. You know, you can plant soybeans before, before corn. You know, if, if the conditions are good, you, you, you may see a potential yield increase. And, and so I think that, that was one of the big lessons learned from 2021. We are seeing that trend earlier and earlier planting soybeans. Yep. Yep, and, and that just reinforces the importance of seed treatments. You know, a lot, a lot of the diseases we deal with uh, in soybeans, you know, your Pythium, Phytophthora, your Fusarium species, um, you know, a, a lot of those thrive in those cool, wet soils. And even though we didn't have uh, wet soils early on, we, we were definitely cool.
How big an issue is soybean cyst nematode in your area of Iowa? Uh, that, that's a huge issue. Uh, it, you know, it, it is the number one pest when it comes to uh, economic impact on, on soybean yields. And so, you know, we do have seed treatments that I think a lot of people are using uh, when it comes to managing SDS in, in SEN. So, you know, I, I think I think that's one of the things as we continuously try to increase yields uh, and, and move towards biological pri- uh, treat, seed treatments and, and seed treatments in general. Um, j- just knowing knowing your fields, knowing the pests, knowing the diseases, um, that's just one way to mitigate stress, which is, is one of the things that we do to maintain yield. You know, the second we take that seed out of the bag, it, it's all about mitigating stress to maintain the yield potential of that product. Did a lot of fall field work get done in Iowa this year? Uh, yeah, there was. And, you know, we, we were dry enough where, uh, especially with planting corn, you know, I, I saw a lot of field conditioners out there, you know, prepping the soil for corn planting. And we, we were so dry that, you know, every, every time I saw that, I was kind of cringing just because we were so short on moisture already. I knew that was going to impact germination, you know, the imbibition uh, of that water, um, you know, to start that germination process. And, you know, I, I was just... This was a year I, th- I think a lot of guys could could have potentially uh, you know j- increase the the germination and the, the uniform emergence of the corn by reducing some tillage and keeping what little moisture we had. So it's going to be critical to get that moisture. Hopefully you'll get it over the winter, but then be looking at that next spring. And that's always a tough issue because you want to get out there and get planting, but you're needing moisture at the same yeah. time. Yep. Yep. It's, it's tricky, you know, it, it's a win-lose situation. You know, you, uh, the, the, the tilled soils warm up quicker. We want to get out there, like you mentioned, we want to get that, get out there earlier and plant, but it, it's kind of a win-lose. You know, you, you till the ground, you warm it up quicker, but you also lose moisture. And, and on a year like 2021, where moisture was limited, um, it, you know, you got options, you got, you got choices you got to make. So. so a lot of conversations are going to be had this winter and looking at next spring. And with the questions about the, the supply chain and what's going to be available, it's going to make it, I mean, that's already a tight window anyway and a, a time crunch. It could be even more so this coming spring. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I think one of the positives with, with the weather we've had this fall you know, there was a lot of field work, a lot of anhydrous got put on. So I'm hoping the, the load that we, you know, the amount of work that we need to get done this spring is, is a little bit less. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope the you know, the workload this spring should be a little bit less. Um, hopefully the conditions are, we, we definitely need moisture now uh, still. Um, you know, I couldn't tell you the exact amount of moisture that we need to, to rebuild our, our, you know, the amount that, that our soils will hold. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be another discussion of, of, you know, potentially planting into dry conditions and what we can do to uh, make sure that our seed is, is germinating uniformly throughout the field so that we can have a good stand and, and basically start the growing season off right. Already looking ahead to 2022, Andrew Penny, DeKalb Asgrove agronomist from Iowa. Good to talk with you, Andrew. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll continue our coverage of the DTN Ag Summit going on here in Chicago. Coming up next, we're going to talk about working with your ag lender and some of the things you can do to keep those lines of communication open and why it's so important to gather as much AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. 
In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. USDA reports COVID and international tensions are on the rise. You're listening to AOA. Traders are not expecting any big changes on Thursday's report, but anything could happen for winter wheat. Prices are almost near the middle of November prices, and demand is strong enough to keep those prices up. Daily export sales reported 130,000 tons of soybean sales to China yesterday. Bean export inspections reported on Monday were 2.2 million tons, the eighth week in a row at that volume or larger. Trade is choppy today, which traders expected. March corn trading two cents lower at 581 and a half cent. The May contract down two cents at 584. For soybeans, the January contract down seven at 1254 and three quarters. The March contract down three and a quarter at 1263 and a fraction of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat March down two at 804 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat March up three quarters at 823 and a quarter of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat March up two and a fraction at 10. 30 the May contract trading three quarters of a cent higher at 1016 and a half cent in cash cattle country it's slow to start this morning although some early live asking prices have been noted at around 145 dollars plus in parts of the south but not yet established in the north beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement on the board of trade December live cattle trading seven cents lower at 138.10 the February contract down 65 at 139 dollars even for feeder cattle the January contract down 80 at 164.45, March down 95 at 166.95. In lean hogs, the February contract down $1.52 at 76.67. The April contract down $1.47 at 82.17. In the outside markets, the January oil contract trading $2.50 higher at 72.11 per barrel. The U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back with the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Joined now by Tom Dobby. He is Regional Vice President, Business Development for Farm Credit Services of America, based out of Lincoln, Nebraska. And Tom, good to have you with us. And I know that's one of the things you stress uh, for farmers, the importance of being at events like this. No, it really is. Uh, That's so true, Mike, because, you know, uh, farming is a business of a lot of information and a lot of education. And uh, events like this are important for uh, customers to attend, but also for us to attend because uh, this business is always changing and, and we've got to keep our saw sharp. And so we come to these events and uh, expand our knowledge too. We often talk about the importance of keeping the lines of communication between the, the farmer and their ag lender open. Why is that so important? Well, it's really critically important because, uh, you know, money is just a commodity and any lender can bring money to a customer, but it's how you deliver it and the knowledge and the, and the, uh, the cons- consultation and things like that that you deliver it with that really adds value to that money and to that relationship. And so, yeah, it really is important to, that both sides understand the other very well, and the deeper, the better. Well, there are always challenges, obviously, but here we are now in an interesting period where we've had higher grain prices. That have certainly helped, but the cost of everything keeps going up, too, so we're dealing with these tight margins. Oh, yeah, absolutely tight margins, and we heard about that yesterday in one of the sessions, and that's likely to continue for a while. That's a concern but it's just part of what we deal with, uh, with any customer and, when, and, and in the business that we're in, is we've got to adjust and we've got to um, think on the fly as to how are we gonna take care of these margin issues that we have. And there are, there are ways to do that out there, you know, using margin protection insurance and other things that we provide to customers. I wanted to talk about that. What are some good tips for farmers in managing these economic times we're in right now? Well, you really have to know your numbers. I mean, that's the absolute key thing because you can't estimate a break even. You need to know your break even. And you need to be able to understand how you're going to manage that given the uncertainty of the inputs ahead. Um, And most of our customers are doing a really good job of that, uh, but it's also important that they provide themselves the education as to what are some of the options that they can use to protect themselves against that price risk. We're talking with Tom Dobby with Farm Credit Services. We're talking about how to best navigate through these financial times we are in. I've often said, you know, high grain prices don't solve all problems. Sometimes they create some new ones. Well, yeah, you know, the old adage, uh, the best cure for high prices is high prices. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see challenges from these high grain prices. Um, Hopefully, uh, as customers do really well this year, they're going to be able to bank some of that profit because they're going to need it in the coming years. Uh, We're going to have tighter margins and leaner times on the farm. So the cash we make in 2021 on this crop, we need to keep some of it available for the future. And there's always the other part of this, It's one thing if you're selling crops at higher prices, but if you're on the buying end, if you're on the livestock side, 
then you've got that set of challenges. That's exactly right. And they've got plenty of challenges on the livestock side, and the pricing is one of them. So, you know, it's a, using the tools that are available to you, you know, the forward purchases, the, you know, the using the futures, using things like that, and the insurance that's available. Livestock insurance is something we're doing a lot of right now that's really helping those guys manage the risk in that livestock they're purchasing. One of the things we've seen so far, interest rates have stayed down. A lot of growing questions with inflation. Will that be the case even in this coming year, or will they start inching up? What are you thinking there? Well, we do expect rates to rise. I mean, the, the, the pressures for it to do so are there. I would tell you that we are still in historically low rates. So this is a really good time to lock in long-term debt uh, and use these low rates. Um, if you look at a 50-year rate chart, we're way near the bottom, and we've got a lot of upside uh, that, that this could run. And so protecting yourself with a long-term fixed rate, and we do fixed rates all the way up to 30 years, uh, you can really protect yourself uh, with that kind of uh, 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 product. What is your sense of the overall, the financial health and agriculture right now? Have we seen with these higher prices, farmers being able to take advantage, pay pay off some things and, and, and get position for moving forward? Well, I can speak to the health of our portfolio, and yes, it has dr dramatically increased. Uh, so it's improved uh, very well over the last uh, few years because of this. Um, and that's good. Uh, we like to see that. Um, this year, last year, for example, in 2021, usage of our line of credits was down and that's a good thing. That means they, they've got more cash in their operation, needed to borrow less. Uh, so those are good things and good signs, but they're going to need it for the future because these margin issues are, are real. Are you starting to see an uptick in, the, in that request for, for loans already, or is that the, kind of on hold right The now? uptick we're seeing is there is a very active real estate market out there. Uh, there are a lot of farms for sale, and people are aggressive in buying them, particularly in our areas. Um, and so I, I think that's going to continue. Um, on the uh, operating loan side, we don't see a significant uptick yet in the dollars borrowed, but we know it's coming because when you look at the margins that they're going to have to pay or the uh, cost of these inputs they're going to have to pay in that narrow margin, they're going to have to borrow some money. And so we know that's going to go up. Um, in, in 2022. We expect that. You mentioned uh, real estate. The land values in some areas are just keep going up and up record high amounts. Are you seeing those kind of, uh, of uh, numbers in Nebraska as well? Yes, yes. The, the land market is extremely hot. We're seeing some record sales right now on uh, ag real estate. We manage that in how we loan into that. We've got an approach we do to keep the amount of money that we're going to loan against that at a sustainable level. Uh, we don't want to overloan a customer on real estate. So if you're going to get into the real estate market today, you need to know that it does have a high entry cost. And so to get into that real estate market, to buy that next farm, uh, you need to have a good cash position or you need to have good equity in the rest of your properties. Uh, this is not a time to try to borrow at all because it's just too expensive and the returns are not going to provide you 
enough per acre to make that work. In Nebraska, are you seeing when land comes up, when farmland comes up for sale, are other farmers buying it or are you seeing outside interest come in? We're seeing both. Um, there is some outside interest coming in now. Uh, there's uh, the 1031 uh, tax exchange money that's that's coming out. We're seeing some of that. But in general, I would tell you the majority is still a farmer buying this land. So that's a good thing. Are you, do you suggest to farmers, you talk to them about the importance of having a good financial team of, of advisors, people they trust and can go to for information? That's absolutely essential. You got to surround yourself with your, well, I guess I'll call it a personal board of directors. You need people that you can consult because a, a farmer today cannot know it all. There's just too much. There's tax policy and there's the chemicals and there's the, the risk protection and there's the management of the money. And then there's just the basic uh, agronomic work and the uh, uh, livestock husbandry that you got to do. You need to surround yourself with a team of people that are really good that you trust their their opinions so those trusted business advisors and that's what we try to do at farm credit services of america we want to be that trusted business advisor for that customer somebody they can come to when it comes to things we deal with with them and they feel like they can trust us to give them good advice good counsel and help them be successful because that's what we're in it for Sometimes that advice might be not to make a purchase. That's exactly right. It is sometimes that. So at an event like this, you talked about, we started off talking about the importance of gathering as much information as, as possible. And I think it's, uh, it probably should make farmers feel good to see people like you gathering that information too. So you both have that knowledge base to work with when you sit down and have those conversations. Well, it's so true. You know, farming today, uh, farmers are so used to the word data. I mean, it's all data. I mean, there's data coming at them from everywhere, but data is the numbers. And the numbers are really critical because they tell the true story of what's going on. And so if uh, you can gather the data, gather the numbers and really know the numbers, evaluate them against uh, standards and, 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 and comparisons of benchmarks, um, a farmer can make much better decisions. Uh, it really is about knowing your numbers. And that's that's a big change from the past. It's it's much more important today. Know your numbers. I think that's maybe the theme here, what we need to emphasize. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Know your numbers and uh, make sure your lender knows your numbers and understands them and that you understand how your lender looks at your numbers. Those are all very important things. A lot of questions going into 2022. Again, the line of communication, keep that open with the lender. Absolutely. And you'll be fine if you do, because lenders are, they, they want it to work for you and work for them. And it's a partnership. Tom, thanks a lot. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Mike. Enjoyed right. it. Tom Dobby, Regional Vice President, Farm Credit Services of America, based out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Stay with us. We'll come back and wrap up our coverage of the DTN Ag Summit here in Chicago next here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? 
they've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And today we're talking with Dave Gilmet, CHS Director of Supply Chain, to get an update on the current truck supply shortage the agriculture industry is facing. Dave, this is a big, big issue, of course, supply chain issues. And for agriculture, the tight truck supply, certainly the latest issue in that ongoing situation. Tell us what's behind this shortage. You know, really what this kind of comes down to is just an overproduction overseas um, and as manufacturers have produced more products um, as a country, we're, we're trying to buy more. Um, and so there's a lot of congestion at our ports. Um, there's as many as 60 or 70 boats that are just waiting to be unloaded at our docks on the ports in LA and in, in California. And then of course we have to get the containers out of the ports and that's been a big issue. You know, the second thing around it is really the shortage of truck drivers is related to there's not a lot of truck drivers coming into the profession. And so what we're trying to do is trying to retain and attract as many of those drivers as we can as a company. That way we have drivers when we need them to kind of go against some of these headwinds that we're facing. So we're all being affected in different ways by this situation. How is it affecting farmers' day-to-day -day operations? You know, anything that really, um, you know, a farmer needs or needs to ship off of their site, you know, really comes to them in a truck. You know, so if you think about crop inputs, um, or once harvest comes and, and the grain needs to get back to a bin, you know, you think about a truck needs to haul that product away or bring product to the farm. And so our challenge is trying to find enough trucks to be able to get the supply where the farmer ultimately needs it and to position product at the right time in the right location. All right. Thanks, Dave. That's Dave Gilmet, CHS Director of Supply Chain. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com.
Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And back here at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago, I think the, the big topic, the hottest topic here and throughout agriculture right now, supply chain issues. Um, maybe the area, though, of most curiosity is still about carbon markets. And is this legit is it going to pan out is it going to be as good as some people say they are what do you have to do to even uh, be in it and uh, make it work we're going to talk about that with our next guest caleb smith an agronomist with agoro carbon alliance caleb thanks for joining us tell us about agoro yeah so agoro was launched in june of uh, this year by yara international yara international is one of the world's largest producers of fertilizer based out of norway yara essentially saw that there's a lot of confusion in this carbon market right and there doesn't necessarily need to be a lot of confusion. They, uh, their, their goal was to make a really farmer-friendly, risk-averse path for growers, not just in the United States. We operate in India, Europe, uh, as well as um, Brazil. So, you know, they, they, they wanted to create a path for farmers that was very risk-averse and that was very easy and farmer-friendly and farmer-focused because that's what we're sort of lacking. Okay, so when we talk about carbon markets, or let's start with carbon farming, what practices do you have to do how do you qualify to be able to, to tap into this potential income that we keep hearing about? Yeah, so with almost any carbon program from any one of these carbon aggregators, aggregators or companies like Agora or Bayer, or anyone who's, who's enrolling farmers to you know, aggregate acres to sell carbon credits, there has to be some sort of a practice change. And it has to be some sort of a practice change that results in more biomass entering the system through plant growth. Uh, and that biomass carbon and plant growth will eventually be stored as soil carbon. Um, so, you know, we have a ton of, of CO2 in our atmosphere, right? Even more carbon, two or three times more carbon in our soil. So a very small increase in soil carbon can have a very drastic effect on the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere and actually mitigating climate change. So those practices most often are, you know, reducing your tillage. When we say reduce tillage, it can mean converting from full width tillage to strip tillage or no tillage. It can even be as simple as taking one less tillage pass. Um, so, you know, it, also cover crops are a big one. Um, rotational grazing, more efficiently applying your nitrogen. These are the, these are the ones that we see most common that growers are uh, enrolling with. So how do you qualify? A farmer may be saying, hey, I'm doing that, or mm -hmm. I could do that or even more, but how do, you, how do you certify that so it shows you're qualified to, to be in these carbon markets? Yeah, so 
I guess I should first start by explaining that in order to enter a carbon uh, market or a carbon program, there has to be a registry involved. A registry is a third-party verifier that actually issues the credits. They're the ones that make the rules that all of us are playing by. All these companies are playing by the rules that the registry sets. Most of us use a registry called Vera. So essentially, um, Vera has these conditions in order to enter a for a farmer to enter a carbon program. One of them is that the carbon credits have to be additional. And additionality is this very frustrating concept that all of us sort of struggle with, um, that the carbon credits or the carbon sequestered needs to be only sequestered because there's some company paying a farmer to do so. If a farmer has been no-tilling for 10 years and he continues to no-till, the argument is that, well, that carbon would have been sequestered anyways. Um, so the, the farmer essentially has to do something additional um, to, in order to enroll. So if he's, if he's full with tillage, he can switch to no-tillage or strip tillage. If he's planting a cover crop, he can start intercropping inter that into a standing uh, cash crop, or he can start planting a legume cover crop. Um, you know, legume cover crops are much more efficient at sequestering carbon and keeping it in the soil. So there has to be some additional thing that you do to, to increase your soil carbon storage. Another question is, what is the financial value of these credits? Yeah. So one thing that growers need to be aware of is that there's two different types of programs. There's practice-based payments and there's outcome-based payments. Uh, we are an outcome-based payment. So an example of a practice-based payment is, uh, you know, you they're going to pay you $3 an acre for no-till, $6 for cover crops, regardless of how much carbon you sequester. With an outcome-based payment, you're actually being paid for the physical amount of carbon that you sequester that's actually measured. Um, so, for example, what Agoro does is we come in and measure your carbon at year zero, and we have a 10-year contract. Um, and we'll actually model using USDA's Comet Farm Service, which is a greenhouse gas accounting service that you can input your, uh, you know, your field management history, um, as well as some of your crop history, like yield and nitrogen fertilizer applications, and it'll give us an estimate for how much carbon we think you'll sequester, right? So we'll have this estimate. Most often that number is 0.3 to 0.6 tons a year. Uh, and a carbon credit is one metric ton. So if a grower sees that he's gonna sequester 0.5 tons of carbon, let's say the price of a carbon credit's $20, that's gonna be $10 an acre. Um, so you know, at year five, we'll actually come in and measure your soil carbon again, and we'll, we'll see how much carbon that was actually sequestered, and, and then we'll pay off that. Does that value fluctuate, go up and down like yep. markets we're familiar with? Yeah, so currently there's not a standard index for you know, the carbon price, so it's not really like a commodity in that sense, but right now the price is hovering around 15 to $20. Um, Agoro and, and most carbon companies put a price floor on what a carbon credit's worth. Our price floor is $16.50. However, for us, there's no price ceiling. So if, if we see, you know, all these companies are pledging carbon neutrality by a certain date, if we see the uptick in, in demand like for carbon credits like we think we will, that price could get up to $50, $60 an acre. So, you know, that farmer that was sequestering 0.5 tons an acre getting $10 an acre, you know, he might start getting $30, $40 an acre if the price goes up. Um, and, and what we've seen is that one in three of the world's largest companies have already, you know, pledged carbon neutrality by a certain date. You know, what happens if not all of us are driving electric Suburbans in, in 2030, right? They're going to have to pay farmers to offset that carbon for them. Are farmers getting paid now? Yes, yeah. So, you know, we've already paid. Uh, we have about 100,000 acres enrolled, and most of those farmers have already been paid. It's, you know, we, our big thing is we want them to get payments within the first 60 days if that's what they want. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and the big thing is now is that people ask what's different now from, you know, 10 years ago when they tried this. The difference now is there's money changing hands. There's companies, you know, paying for carbon credits. It's already, there's been millions of dollars worth of carbon credits already sold in the last year. So. How can farmers get more information on this? 
yeah, so they can go to uh, agorocarbonalliance.com if they want to learn more about our program. Or, you know, you can just log on to almost any ag publication and <laughs> probably see it in the news. You know, there's a, a new carbon co uh, company popping up every day. It's, it's a lot of questions, and uh, that's some good information you shared with us. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Caleb. No problem. Good to see you as well. All right. That's Caleb Smith, an agronomist with Agoro Carbon Alliance. That wraps it up for today and our coverage of the DTN Ag Summit here in Chicago. Mike Pearson will be hosting the show tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday. Thanks for joining us on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.